Is Great Gatsby greater than the Great British Bake Off? Answer me this, answer me this. Will Virgin Galactic ever actually take off? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Before you write in, listeners, with a very impassioned defence of either The Great Gatsby or The Great British Bake Off, thinking that I do have a side, I don't. I am ambivalent about both. Yeah. to pretty much an equal extent so and, save yourselves uh, we are aware that Virgin Galactic has been running test flights so don't tell us that yeah. but realistically none of us are going to get on it in our lifetimes are we <laughs> that's it but Richard Branson is going to live till he's 250 so he'll be okay yeah I mean what we're asking in essence is is it going to be everything it's cracked up to be uh, but obviously that's hard to encapsulate in a rhyming couplet but just so you know there's yeah, always yeah, more yeah. detail beneath the surface well you say that but when people write in saying why do you never answer the questions during the couplet it's really because uh, you can sort that out in your own time yeah well, you can hear the results now you just end up with a lot yeah. of footnotes this is like the director's commentary but this is actually <laughs> the show so without further ado let's move on to a question meta it is from Jack from Leeds who says I'm going down to London by bus at the end of the month Ooh. to see an all night film marathon Ooh. The programme will finish at about 10am, then I'll be waiting until about 5 for my bus back up to Leeds. Oh, obviously I'll be horribly, horribly tired after more than 26 hours awake. So, Ollie, answer me this. Where can I catch a nap in central London? My only thought would be Starbucks. Well, I think you could probably get away with an hour in Starbucks. Oh, actually, there is a branch that is just north of Oxford Circus on the right as you go up Upper Regent Street. And they've got a downstairs that, and the staff yes, no are one almost checks. never there. No one checks. And it's windowless, so it probably seemed like permanent night yeah. if you wanted. And they've got bonquettes, so you could just lie down. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? Sometimes you just find a little black spot almost, a staff black spot. There's um, a Costa in German Street where oh. I feel so confident that no one is going to go down into the dungeon bit. You'd have you a wank. <laughs> no, that I happily leave my iPad on display whilst I go for a wee. Whoa. Because I'm just like, no one's down here. That is no asking, asking for trouble. Yeah, in a way. If the weather is fine, then the obvious solution, Jack, is to go to one of the parks and uh, sit under the shade of a shady tree with uh, your head on your luggage so that no one nicks it and have a lovely doze. Or go to a library. But if you do go to a library, go to one of the slightly shit ones, but make sure it has a toilet. The other thing as well, I would say, you know, if you analyse what you need for a comfy sleep mm. you know a dark room no one bothering you a comfy seat uh, I think a cinema is sounding pretty yes, good that's what I was thinking go to the Prince Charles cinema and just uh, have a lovely nap or just doze off during your all night film marathon because frankly why do you need to stay up all night watching films I mean it's a romantic <laughs> idea but it is by four in the morning you'll probably fall asleep yeah. anyway yeah that's true when Martin and I went to the Twin Peaks marathon at the Battersea Arts Centre we did leave around 3am even though you hack it. well no it's just like we've had enough now even yeah. though uh, we were just about to get to the really good three episode arc where they reveal who done it. Yeah. It's very different going to bed late than pulling an all nighter, isn't it? Yes. I mean, mm. I think broadly speaking, I understand why films tend to be between 90 minutes and three hours long. I think that's a good length. I don't think three hours long is a good length. You say that, but actually, in the old days, when you got a three hour film, including when Titanic came out in a lot of places, they actually used to put an interval in it. Yes. It's only in the last 15 years that you've been expected to sit there for three or three and a half hours for the whole thing without that. Yeah. Some films with an interval, beautiful Sunday afternoon, that, isn't it? One thing you could have done in the olden days, but you can't now, is just sit on the circle line while it goes round and round and round and round. Why can't you do that anymore? Because it's not a circle anymore. Is there not a perfect circle anywhere on Mm. the underground? No. Good God. Mm. Boris, can you be looking into this, please? This is a priority. Broken the beautiful symmetry of London with his <laughs> stupid yellow head. Hello, this is James in the Noodle Bar. Uh, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Uh, well, I've just called a lady I used to know, a dickbag, um, and we were discussing whether a dickbag is it a bag that you might find adjacent to slash attached to a dick, i.e. like a bag with some balls in it, uh, 
or is it a bag full of dicks? Um, and irrespective of the answer, is it an appropriate thing to call a lady who you used to know and whose floor you might have been sick on? I think that very much depends on the lady. It's Probably. never appropriate to have called the Queen Mother a dick bag. I think I've got quite a thick skin, but I might be a little bit perturbed. I'm not sure you're really a lady. You don't subscribe to these values <laughs> of ladylike behaviour. I wear skirts. You, you only today have twice used the phrase in front of me, pulling my dick. <laughs> but why, are, why is everyone pulling my dick, Ollie? Why do they pull it so hard? <laughs> it's nice. So I'd feel comfortable calling you a dick bag in theory, but I wouldn't... The thing is, it's, the thing is, it's a humorous phrase, isn't it? So if I'm actually angry with you, I'd say to you, why are you being such... I'd probably say something really soft, like silly cow, which That's would be much rude. more offensive. That's yeah. sexist. Where, exactly. Whereas actually... If I said, oh, Helen, stop being a dickbag, then that's kind of funny and you'd probably smile and then that's not the, it's not the same. There's two views on this, aren't there? First of all is that it's not female gendered, so if you call a woman a female insult, that's very sexist. But, like, on the other hand, ascribing a, a, a male characteristic to a woman is equally sexist, isn't it? Because you're sort of mm. denigrating the aspects of a femininity in service of uh, masculinity. Oh, it's not unfair. Insults. They get offended when you call them the C-bomb about their feminine parts, and <laughs> now they get... Offended when you call them the D-bag. Yeah. Okay, so dealing with the other part of the question is yeah. a little bit easier. I mean, it either is or isn't testicles or a bag of penises. It makes more sense for it to be a bag of penises, doesn't it? But then it would be a dick's bag. Actually, <laughs> I'd never considered that it was the testicles, but no, I would argue no. that actually that does make more sense rather than what you said. But then I would call someone a ball bag, if that's yes, what I was going for. But, but a ball bag is a dick bag, really, is it not? It may be dick adjacent, Ollie. But it's not the dick bag. I mean, the dick bag implies that the bag is a part of the dick or for the dick storage. Yeah, yeah. If I'm honest, if I'm really thinking about what my mind's eye a dick bag is, it's, probably, it's probably just one dick, actually. Really? Right. It's yeah. a bag for one dick, like a sheath. So like, like a horse has. Yeah. A so horse has got a kind of dick, a heavy dick bag. Sort of like a foreskin. Appreciate the human penis doesn't retract fully into the foreskin, but if, you know, in no, that that's sense. that's interesting. Yeah, no, I guess it is a bit like a foreskin. Yeah. 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 Or like one of those bags that carries a single tennis racket. That's quite a sophisticated item to be called. I'm in, trying to raise the tone, but I don't know why. We're talking about dick bags. <laughs> Controversial third option, oh, of oh, course, is oh. that it could be the female part, could it not? The, the lady's purse. The, the lady's purse is for stowing a penis, yes. Well, well that's So you're calling right. someone a Actually, vagina. I find that very sexist. I'm not saying it's for storage, but I'm saying for temporary accommodation of a penis, so is it possible that they mean vagina? You're a vagina. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting, actually. I don't think this is helping because we're not coming down on one answer. Right, I'm going to say scrotum. Martin, what are you going to say? I'm, I'm going to say uh, container for a single penis. Yeah, and you're going to say, yeah. right, so therefore storage. that's what it is, two against one. A dick bag is for the temporary or full-term storage of a man's genitals. Good. Yep. Glad to have sorted that out. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? We do the important stuff on this show. Who right. needs Radio 4? You've got a question. Email your question. To answer me, this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me, this podcast at googlemail.com Let's talk about love. Uh, we've got no, this question from voice. Chris from New Zealand. Oh, I thought that was a reasonable approximation of a 70s soul singer type no. cliche. We all knew what I was going for. It sounded like you were burping. <laughs> uh, this oh. is from Chris from New Zealand who says, I need your opinion on something. I can afford to give you that. Uh, I have two friends. Let's call them John and Jane. Okay. Uh, they dated for a few years at high school and they were great together. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier this year... Jane decided she wanted to go to Camp America and was successful in getting in. Then, John and Jane decided to break up over this time 
while she was in America, so they didn't have to worry about each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they could, quote, learn more about each other. That doesn't work when you're on different continents. It doesn't really, does you it? You learn more about yourselves yes. and other people's mm. genitals. <laughs> yes. And so that the time apart wasn't so tough. Mm-hmm. I was fine with this. Oh, good, because they did it for you. It's very gracious of you, Chris, since you have absolutely no role to play in the intimacy of their relationship whatsoever. Yeah, he's not one of John or Jane, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. He is a bystander. That's right. Okay. Although, but it's good to know that he was fine with it. But then I, he got not fine with it. I sense what? that something must have changed. What happened? Uh, however, continues right. Chris, I discovered that they have since started a fuck-buddy relationship. How dare they, these people that used to love each other, continuing <laughs> their special friendship. They hang out, just the two of them, a lot. Having Whoa. sex. Outrageous. Madness. He often refers to her as, quote, my girlfriend, even though she isn't. She kind of is, though. And it's really weird, five exclamation marks. But it kind of isn't. No, it's not weird, is it? And also, former girlfriend is a cumbersome thing to say. Like, President Clinton is always President Clinton. It's not going to be former President Clinton. This is, maybe John could say, this is my past and perhaps future girlfriend. Yeah, is that, is cumbersome. That, is that what Chris has got to say? What is Chris's question? Helen, answer me this. Is this weird? No. You, you made it weird, Chris. Uh, and what should I do? Nothing. Nothing. Should I get in the way? No. Leave it be? Yes. yes. Offer a threesome? No. no. Please what? help me, guys. I don't... I don't know what? how to help he, you, Chris. Is he trying to tell us he wants the threesome of these two? And that's I think why he's he kind of inadvertently let that slip, even though it was supposed to be a humorous joke at the end. Why isn't that's John calling weird, me his girlfriend? Yeah, I think there might be an element of this, Chris. Yeah, maybe if I really, if I got off with John, that would make Jane really jealous, LOL. I'm baffled, baffled, Chris, as to why you think you have some need to intervene in this. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think Chris has issues and it's nothing to do with him. However, <laughs> um, myself... And my girlfriend went to school with a mutual best friend. We went out briefly when we were 16. When we got together again when we were 22, not knowing if we were going to be, as John and Jane are, fuck buddies, or whether we were going to have a long-term relationship, Mm. we were concerned about how we told our mutual friend because we knew that he would be saying, oh, God, it didn't work last time, and oh, God, are you sure you want to do this? And it's like we were perfectly fine but we knew that his reaction would be difficult. So I think Chris is actually sort of uh, living the very issues that we were concerned that our mutual friend might feel. Okay. He's confused by it somehow because his two friends, he thought it was over. He got his head around that. Now they're back together, but they're not. Maybe he is worried on some level about Jane's feelings, for example, in the long term. And, you know, maybe he's actually being nice by being concerned, even though, as you say, his concern is misplaced. Well, yeah, I just don't really understand why this is a problem for him why his friend's private life is a problem he said these people went out for several years there's a lot of history there yeah it's not a particular shock that if they're on the same continent they might have rekindled some of their relationships it sounds like they didn't break up through mutual antipathy yeah i guess he probably thinks oh god well they're back on the same continent why don't they just get back together or not the truth is relationships can be more messy than that can't they chris in reality i mean when chris says he's referring to her as his girlfriend even though she isn't how does Chris know that she isn't? Yeah, how do you quantify that? Does he mean, even though she wasn't, Yeah, he needs to reconcile himself to the fact that things change? Yeah, maybe, maybe she goes in and out of girlfriend status as the UK economy does a Moody's rating. Hmm. You know, it's, yes. not, it's not for keeps. You, know, you can assume that you're a girlfriend, next week you're not a girlfriend. You just gotta, you just gotta go with it, Chris. Seeing as it's none of your business. Yeah. 
don't ridicule me and don't take the piss. Give me a clue to what I'm asking. Then in your awesome knowledge I'll be basking. What's in some man? I'm so alone. No one to email. No one to email and no one to phone. Where can I get new friends from? Answer me this for a question from Mark from Columbia, Missouri, who says, Recently, I moved about 300 miles to be closer to my family. My sister-in-law gave me an indoor plant as a housewarming gift. Herein lies the problem. I have a green thumb, but I dislike the particular type of plant that she gave me. Well, that's what chainsaws are for. The plant was expensive, but one of those that refuses to die. So Helen answered me this. How do I commit murder... Uh, on the plants, not the sister-in-law, and get away with it. Uh, apparently, one of the easiest ways is to overwater it, especially with hot water. Yeah. And uh, few plants like to be waterlogged. Yeah. So she might notice, but she can't really rectify overwatering, whereas underwatering, like yeah. trying to dry it out. That's right. She could. It's the perfect crime, isn't it? Because even if she catches you in the act, watering can in hand, she won't yeah, question yeah. you. It's standing, a normal thing to it's do. It's a normal thing. Oh, hello. I'm just watering your plant that you gave me because I love it so much. Yeah. Well, other options that people suggest include watering it with bleach, which will make your house smell. And she would, I think, notice that more. Vinegar or salt water as well, apparently. I'm not bad. sure any of these are brilliant, actually, because I think the whole plan of killing the plant is maybe not best advice. The reason for that is... Mm-hmm. If she says what happens to the plant, you say, oh, it died, she may buy you another one. Yep. Yeah. You haven't dealt with the fact that you don't like the fucking plant. I think there is a danger that if you uh, kill or break the plant, your sister-in-law will buy you another one. I don't think she'd buy you a third one if you'd proven so careless and useless, especially if it is an expensive plant. I think the best thing is deliberately, so she sees, but not in a way that she'd complain about, just put it in a place where you don't really see it. Oh, yeah, like outside by the bins. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone will take it away. That's maybe a bit far. And perhaps it's not going to get a lot of natural light, so it will be slowly well, dying over time. There's there's a thing. If you put it in the wrong conditions, if it's a sun-loving plant, put it in the shade. Or you could look up on, on the internet this type of plant and you know, Google begonia problems, say, if it's a begonia. And if they're like, oh, your begonia is getting too much sunlight, you'd be like, aha, I'm going to put it in the sun. Right? So do the opposite of what they say you need to do to cure your plant of an illness. Mm. <laughs> could it accidentally on purpose fall out of the window as Absolutely well? Absolutely it could. You know, Ollie, plants are always moving of their own accord yeah. in a very self-destructive way. <laughs> suicidal plants out there. It's the biggest cause of death amongst plants. Well, if you've got a pet, you could say that it was the pet that did it. Or if you've got a kid, you could say it was the kid that did it. Yeah, or you could tell her you're allergic to it and then she wouldn't buy you another one. I, I actually am sentimental about plants rather than aesthetic, weirdly. My dad's family family run a butcher shop yes still do yes did since 1940 something mm. uh my mum's mother mm-hmm. was and is a customer of that butcher shop in fact that's how my parents met my mother was yep. going there to buy some chicken for her mother and started speaking to my dad who was working in the shop i think you can revise this and answer me this 200 if you want uh oh really yeah I yeah think maybe your grandma talks yeah, about you're it you're right yeah uh, my grandmother's been a client of that butcher shop for ages yeah and in the 1960s Mm-hmm. My dad's mother gave all of the home delivery clients a free plant with their home delivery as a, you know, thank you for... I think it was probably a Rosh Hashanah present. And um, my grandmother, my mother's mother, has kept this plant, which was given to her by my father's mother, alive since the 1960s. And of course, now Amazing. it has significance. Only really to me. Like, like the mousetrap. That people want the mousetrap to keep going just because the mousetrap has kept going for so long, even if they don't like the mousetrap. Well, I suppose for my mum's mum, it, that's the only significance it has is mm. the longevity. 
for me though uniquely mm-hmm. it is a, a present given from my paternal grandmother to my maternal grandmother before they even knew that each other would become that so for me it has incredible significance i'd like to have that plant in 50 years and say to my grandchildren your great great grandmother gave this to your great great grandmother and i'm still keeping it alive but yeah. i can't she gives me a cutting from it every year and it always fucking dies it's like that plant's cutting is your sibling and you you don't want a sibling because it's competition no i don't that's right yeah it's probably it Maybe there is like a rival Little Shop of Horrors style Ollie Man disaster <laughs> that could come out of the birthing of this plant if I keep it alive for too long. Yeah, maybe you should start giving the plant a little cutting of yourself every year, like a toenail <laughs> clipping, and see if it can grow a new Ollie Man for a spare. <laughs> Hi, Helen and Ollie from Newcastle. I'm just reading on the internet that President Obama um, receives gifts off politicians and off royal members and family, and etc. Um, and he's not allowed to accept them. So what is the actual point, Helen and Ollie, answer me this, of actually giving them presents because they don't, they're not allowed to use them? Like he literally got a gold carried watch for his wife that's worth 48 grand and it's got to stay in a locker. I don't get it. Barack Obama not even allowed um, Christmas and birthday presents without it being uh, problematic politically. Well, never mind problematic politically. There's problems for security. But you couldn't even have a cracker in the White House because they might think guns were being fired. Well, basically, there was a cracker in the White House until Obama got in. What, what? (laughs) 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 No, but there's a security issue about getting anything in, but that doesn't mean that you can't. But the thing is, presidents over time have attracted presents from ordinary members of the public who feel like, as their representatives, they deserve the sort of presidential equivalent of the bottle of whiskey you give the postman at Christmas. I don't think you need to worry. It's not like teachers where at the end of Christmas term you think oh, to give them a box of nice biscuits <laughs> or something because they're underpaid and they're very overstretched. Yeah. The president, obviously it's a difficult job, yes. but it has its perks. It does. <laughs> Air Force One being one of them. Yeah. Um, but if you send, for example, food, drink, anything perishable, yep. um, and colognes, anything that gets applied yep. to the skin, that gets instantly destroyed the moment it reaches the White House. Right. They, they cannot let it through security. That was kind of like when I had to filter the present sent to the uh, BBC newsreaders. Oh, really? Anything yeah. perishable they didn't get? Food. Unless it was a hamper from Harrods, uh, Sophie Rayworth was fine with eating most. Interesting. But not the half-empty box of Nesquik. Yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> That's the thing. You would, you'd assume that someone who's weird enough to send a half-empty box of Nesquik to Sophie Wayworth probably has wanked in it. That's the thing. <laughs> so I think it's a reasonable precaution, isn't it? I think you'd hide it in a mini-milk or something. What? <laughs> uh, um, so, yes, there's a brilliant little statement on the White House website, which is basically written for the slightly odd people who send presents to the president, which says, um, Whilst President Obama, the First Lady, Vice President Biden and Dr Biden appreciate your generosity, they request that instead you look to your local community for opportunities to assist your neighbours in need. I mean, that just seems to me that sentence might as well finish with, you massive idiots, why are you sending us food and drink? I'm not sure whether the Bidens are going to be quite as uh, stringent as the Obamas. I bet the Bidens would love a bit more attention. So are there any punter gifts that they will accept, though? Yeah, letters. That's not a gift. Well, you know, a letter and a photograph of the moment that uh, the president met your disabled daughter that you wanted no. to send. But I mean, things like teddy bears no. that people always send. Basically, no. Basically, no. They could be bombs. That's why they send them off to the children's hospital. Well, they give them to charities and stuff, which is, you know, the same thing that the Queen does here. Um, but what's brilliant is if you do want to send a package to the White House, mm-hmm. it does also specify on the side that you do use the full address. <laughs> it's like, really? What kind what? of lazy postman is like, the White House, never heard of it, mate. But What's prob- the postcode? They probably mean the White House in Seven Oaks in Kent. 
and it, you can even put the White House Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, but because you haven't put the zip code, it might not reach them. I mean, would that really ever, ever happen? No. So for the issue of foreign gifts, though, yeah. then there's a whole different uh, basket of worms. You often get a basket of worms from uh, some of those... Uh foreign dignitaries don't you it's all they've got i think exactly some countries where they're struggling to really raise much capital to buy anything else i mean if if cyprus at the moment gave you a box full of worms you'd be very grateful Uh, and also in mexico they could send you a box full of tequila worms so when it comes to these gifts the reason they give them sarah is because there's a tradition of giving them so it's embarrassing if you're the first politician to turn up empty-handed it is not supposed to be really a gift to the president it's a gift really to the nation that you're visiting right so it's like when you turn up at a dinner party and you're just thinking it's embarrassing to turn up with nothing. Uh, Obama uh, was given from Berlusconi in one year alone mm-hmm. 12 silk ties. Eh? One for every month that they met. He's such a bellend, isn't he, Berlusconi? That's, the sh- that's like the, the real dad gift to give to Obama. So is there any problem with those gifts being seen as bribes? Or having financial value that the president is not really allowed to accept. Yes, there's a huge issue. And that's why they're seen as gifts to the nation if they're over a certain value. So the value gets set by this bureaucratic body uh, at every term of a new president. And they get to decide if it's over a certain value, whether it becomes part of the presidential library museum collection, uh, or whether the president and the first lady should be entitled to offer to buy it at a fair market price. Okay, so that body... They could be really jaundiced against a particular president. So they could say, oh, yeah, let's give George Bush a £10,000 gift allowance. Let's give the Obamas 10 quid." Yeah, they could be. But actually, it must be quite difficult if you're given a beautiful watch by the King of Jordan and then you think, OK, I've got to declare that because it's worth $100,000. Yeah. And then the gift units say, OK, well, we can put it in the, in the presidential archive or you can buy it for $100,000. It's that little bit harder, isn't it, when you've had something for free for a time, Mm. when you've had your free trial, as it were. Quite hard to then say, actually, yeah, I'm not going to buy it. I reckon presidents have probably spent tens of thousands of dollars on things they would otherwise not buy because they were given to them by the Pope or whatever. Like ties. Like ties, Now that Berlusconi's gone, he's got to buy his own ties. Actually, to be honest, I I wouldn't trust Berlusconi with much, but I would trust him to source a good Italian silk tie. Fair enough. Yeah. And, a, and a good underage Italian and woman. A, and a prostitute to tie her up with. It. <laughs> I don't know about you, listeners, but sometimes I reach the end of a podcast with a wanton craving for more. In such moments, I confess, I have recourse to the Answer Me This app on the iPhone and additionally in times of dire need android upon which i have indulged in the weekly bonus material and over three hours of best bits here's a question from sam and fox who are currently in manhattan but normally live in london Uh, and they say uh, we are currently on holiday in the u.s city of new york We visited the Brooklyn area of Dumbo, and my girlfriend swears that it is named after the big-eared Disney elephant. So, Helen, answer me this. Which came first, the Disney character Dumbo or the New York suburb Dumbo? And are the two related? It's down under the uh, Brooklyn overpass or something. Down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. There we go. Um, So it's just an acronym. Yeah, it's got yeah, nothing well, to do yeah. with the elephant, has it? But I think had the elephant not existed, because yeah. the the name Dumbo was from 78 and uh, the Disney film was from 41, they might not have chosen that acronym. Because right? I mean, you could just call it Umbo, couldn't you? You don't need the down. 
Um, but apparently they chose the name to deter property developers because it was an area that had been previously industrial and then a lot of artists went and lived in the uh, industrial buildings that were no longer being used. And then gentrification, they saw, was uh, encroaching and they thought, you know, we'll get rid of them, a name that makes it sound like a shit place. Didn't work, of course. So formerly it was called Fulton's Landing and also Rapai, Olympia, Gareville or Walentersville. So it had quite a lot of crappy names. I think you'll find Walentersville was the original title of the Disney film as well. Uh, And uh, it used to be an area where they manufactured boxes and Brillo pads. And now hipsters. Uh, is it? Is it quite a trendy area? It's where Dan Humphrey and his annoying dad lived in Gossip Girl. That was where that was set. Uh, you see, now this is the thing that they couldn't have really accounted for when they decided to name the suburb after the film uh, mm-hmm. in some way, uh, which is, of course, that uh, adults have become infantilised and mm. nostalgic for uh, childhood uh, entertainment. So actually, well, actually, yeah. you're making this an almost enduring appeal now by naming it after a classic animation, an enduring appeal to hipsters. Yeah, and uh, they have renamed Cobble Hill Fantasia after the Disney film. Is that really true? No, of course not. I could, I could believe that. Because the thing is, that there are parts of America that are newer than Disney films, aren't they? It's not that unreasonable oh. they might name them after... I mean, it is, and it is also an indigenous cultural achievement, isn't it? Yes. You know, whereas for us, it seems ridiculous that you name something after J.K. Rowling when you could name it after Dickens. But if you're American, actually Disney, quite a big deal. Yeah, but Disney is not a very New York-y thing, is it? No, that's true. Mm. Although, actually, Dumbo, they've got the racist uh, crows, haven't they? They're quite New York. And it's an elephant fly! <laughs> they'd, they'd go and live in Dumbo, those guys. They probably couldn't afford it now. I, in fact, have never seen Dumbo. I've never seen Dumbo. And I think the reason I never saw it was, even as a Disney-obsessed child, mm. I knew my statutory rights. And <laughs> I remember picking up the VHS box, and it said on the back, length, 61 minutes approx. Is that good or bad? It's bad. Short, it's not a prox or not. I can get myself Pinocchio, which is, what, 92 minutes? Oh, so you were seeing the, the financial value broken down per minute? Yes. And young Jew Ollie Mann, yeah. Disney fan, yeah. went for the good value Disney. Absolutely. So, but uh, in fact, I had cottoned on to a financial mechanic behind Dumbo in the first place. Apparently, the Walt Disney Company actually deliberately made a short feature as short mm-hmm. as they could make it to recoup some profits that they'd lost on Fantasia which had been a massive flop. Fantasia was a flop. Yeah. What a surprise, eh? What do mm. kids love? Broomsticks and classical music. A question of hygiene now from Steve who says at work in the gents toilets there are sinks with the urinals round the corner. Pretty much a standard arrangement, I think. Sinks and urinals. I thought you were supposed to wash your hands in the same. <laughs> anyway, says Steve, I had a cup of coffee and on my way to our locker room I popped into the gents to do my business. Why are you doing your business in the gents? Don't they give you a desk? <laughs> it's called hot desking, aren't they? I placed the cup of coffee by the sink, did my deed, washed my hands, then left with my coffee. Right. On the way out. I bumped into a female colleague who was about to piss in the urinals. <laughs> Sorry, no. Who was horrified that I'd gone into the gents with my coffee. Oh, yeah. It's not like I'm making coffee with toilet water or that there are poo or pee particles floating around to fall in my coffee. Well, there are if you're flushing then the small uh, water droplets do go about six feet. Well, also, I mean, I know he specified that he put his cup of coffee on the sink which is around the corner from the urinals but if she's a lady that has never been into the men's toilets which uh, is probably most of the ladies who work in your office unless you work in Ali McBeal's office uh, (laughs) she might not know that she might be thinking oh did he just rest that cup of coffee on the, on the top of the toilet yeah. yeah and then there could potentially be poo and pee particles couldn't there that's the thing it's it's in a toilet you know the air just doesn't seem that edible yeah or drinkable yeah steve says ollie answer me this is it really bad form to do this i take your coffee into the loo 
Well, actually, the way you just put your little IE adjunct onto the end there, take your coffee into the loo, when you look at it that point of view, if you're actually taking it in to drink it... On the loo. It's not for everyone, but I actually, I, I think that's fine. I'm happy to support that. Sometimes you have no choice if you're in a public place and you knew that if you left it outside, it would get thrown away. Well, it's the takeaway cup thing as well. You know, if you popped into Starbucks or a tax-paying coffee shop on the way into work, <laughs> you might then, you know, go into the cubicle and put it down, as you say, on the cistern. Uh, if it's there whilst you're doing your your business. The only times I've been into Starbucks in the last few years have been to use their toilet. Exactly. And if I can do that without buying a drink, that's fine. Sometimes I'll just sit by someone else's old cup. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying if that's it's really there, pathetic. if the cup's there on the system next to you and you're doing a bit of a... You're doing a seven-minuter, oh. I can see that you might be tempted to take a swig. I suppose no. all of those particles are present in the same room as your mouth. So Exactly. But also the irony is uh, bathrooms are often... The cleanest place in an office. Whoa there, Tiger. What? what are you saying? Well, because they're clean regularly, aren't they? Because they're a place where you go and do number twos. There's that little checklist on the back of the door in a busy office. Someone comes in every hour and looks at it. Your desk, your computer at your desk might get clean once a fortnight. And that's going to have loads of... Not literally crap. Well, you do crap on your keyboard, don't you? <laughs> well, I do. You like to get it onto the P. I think the bottom line, if you'll excuse the pun, uh, is that toilet etiquette is not always rational and logical. It's like when someone pisses on the seat, you go in, it wasn't your piss on the seat. It's probably best to clean up the piss on the seat because the person who's going in next will assume you've pissed on the seat and left it there. You're but- such a utilitarian, Ollie. It's amazing. <laughs> no, but Ollie Man doesn't clean up the piss on the seat. I do sometimes, but I... I- it's because I hectored you about it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, Be the better man, I said. I said to Helen proudly that I'd, I just left the piss there because it wasn't mine and the woman Pay who looked at me sceptically as she walked in. Pay it forward, Ollie. Yeah. Well, no, I think you're right. Piss it forward. But I, well, no, the thing is, I think it's wrong. I think it's illogical, but I think you're right that it's worth doing just to make everyone's life easier. Ollie, for, for evil to triumph, it only takes good men to stand by. <laughs> well, listeners, for silence to triumph, all it takes for you is not sending us your questions. That's so right, please yeah. email, phone, or Skype. Uh, our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Where you can also hit the button to get our free love film trial for a month of viewing pleasure. I have been watching a lot of The West Wing on Love Film, Mm. uh, which I enjoyed just purely because every time Martin Sheen stands up, a trumpet appears to play. Uh, which I think is... is <laughs> well, kind of... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> a patriotic trumpet, Helen, not a wah-wah trumpet. Okay, and not a kind of Herb Alpert to one of brass-type trumpet. No. Bye! Bye.